have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place to be our teacher, to be our helper, to lead us and guide us into all truth, to reveal unto us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing back to our remembrance what the word of God has spoken unto us on tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go back over um, last week's teaching. I want to add a little bit more to it. Not too much. If anybody was wondering, are you getting more scriptures? Of course you are. <laughs> we want to back everything up with the word. We talked about, we're talking about discipline and the church, and we're starting out with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we have went over how in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 it was reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. So we see that Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, and it was reported um, commonly among them, meaning that it was not only in the church that it was being um, talked about, but it was on outside of the church, that there was fornication. And we know fornication is um, having sex outside of being married. So this is what um, Paul was told, and he was also told that the son was sleeping with his father's um, wife, the stepmother or the wife. And Paul was addressing this issue within the church. And we're talking about discipline in the church and how we supposed to be disciplined according to the word of God. So everything we do as saints, everything that we do as Christians, our discipline come through the word of God. Um, some people feel as if they should not receive discipline in the house of God, in the church, because they feel like they know. And that's when you need to receive some discipline so you will know what the word of God is saying unto you. And if all of us go by the word of God, we wouldn't have so much um, discord, strife. We wouldn't have isms and schisms in the body of Christ. Or when these things happen, we as the body of Christ would know how to handle these things. And we know we speak truth in love, but we do not let our brother and sister fall. We want to make sure that we can um, give them the word of God to let them know where they fall short at so they can turn from what they're doing. Now, if we're not telling people what they are doing, they're, think, they're thinking that they're okay and they'll keep doing what they're doing. So Paul was addressing the church at Corinth and Paul was not even there. So Paul was judging spiritually. Now, we don't have a right to judge people outside of the word of God because um, when we judge not spiritually, then we ourselves shall be judged. But when we're judging according to the word, then that's what we're supposed to do. So Paul was already telling them where they fall short at, and he did this through the word of God. So we look at fornication as having sex before marriage, and this is one thing that he was bringing correction on, and this is one thing that need to be brought correction on in the body of Christ because you got some Christians that they say that they believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but they're still, um, you know, sleeping around. They're still doing things outside of the command of God. And some people tell them it's okay to do this. You love one another. You're going to get married one day. And some people use the excuse and say, well, you already married. You just ain't made it legal yet. It's okay for you you know, to come together because you have children and there's nothing wrong with that. God still love you. That's a bunch of brainwash. That's a bunch of foolishness that church folks, they're telling people this because some people want to keep members and they want to keep friends, but what they're doing is they're condemning people to hell because they're telling them things outside of truth, the word of God. When you know what the word of God says, you have a helper, which is the Holy Spirit, which help you to get through what you're going through to help you turn away from what you're doing that's not right in the body of Christ. So Paul addressed this fornication. Not only did he address this fornication, Paul went on to say that they were boasting about it. They act like it was some good thing to boast about instead of them mourning and um 
praying um, concerning the people, what was going on in the church, they was boasting like it was okay. When you see a church that's full of fornication and people are still hallelujah and praising God and acting like it's okay, that means they're proud. They're arrogant with it. They want people to know it's okay. And some churches that become so full you can't even get into church, you better check the church. Because some people fill up in that church because nobody is checking them. Nobody is disciplining them. As soon as you discipline people in the house of God, they're ready to get rid of the pastor. They're ready to get rid of whomever is bringing correction in the body of Christ. Because that's hate. Ain't no more love you, brother and sister. It's, you know, you got to get them out of here. They, they disrupting the body of Christ. They're messing with our money, and we can't allow them to mess with our money. You have people leaving out of here, and how is this going to get taken care of? You better take care of this. You the pastor. We voted you in. We can vote you out. This is what's happening in the body of Christ. So these are the things that need to be addressed, and when these things are being addressed, it's bringing correction in the body of Christ. Yes, we are saved by grace, but we're not saved to keep fornicating. Everything that he saved us from is what we don't continue to do because Jesus took all of that upon himself. I get so tired of people using the grace card. For by grace we're saved through faith, and not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Some people will say, you know, the more you preach on grace, the more you tell them what Jesus have done, they are turned from it. But I'm going to tell you something. There's some stubborn rebels out here. You can tell them what God has done and how much he loved you and how much he's there for you, how much he laid down his life for you. But they still want to do what they want to do just on a different day. They're not ready to let it go, but it's still our job to bring forth what the word has to say. So he said, you need to mourn with this. You don't need to be boasting and bragging because your brother's sleeping around with this woman and you seeing it and you knowing it. And he said, it is wrong. And so Paul explained how he can come in spiritually and let them know how they were wrong in verses three and four. And then in verse five, he said, you have to deliver that one to Satan for destruction. Meaning that when a person is not receiving um, the word of God or what God is saying and you done been to that person, that comes through that Matthew 18. And that's where I'm going to start at tonight to bring that out a little more to let everybody know you just don't kick somebody out of the body of Christ because they fornicated and you feel like, oh, you fornicated, you got caught. You ain't gave them time to repent. You ain't gave him time to do nothing. You just say, get your bags, just get out of here, you old nasty self. No, you don't do it all like that. <laughs> so I want to make sure that um, I go over this to let y'all know. Don't be going in people's houses and say, you fornicator, you can't come to Miracle Temple. Pastor man ain't going to have that. I'm just going to say, come on in and take a seat. Let's get taught so you can be turned from what you're doing. Amen? So we see there's a way that you handle things in the body of Christ. So that's what I'm going to go into detail more on tonight. So we know he talked about fornication. We know what fornication is. And we know what we don't supposed to be doing now that we are in Christ. And remember this, when you're in Christ and you're um, serving him, you don't want to serve anything outside of Christ. And we know that fornication is not right. And we knew this before we even got born again. Everybody know you don't supposed to be sleeping around, but when you're in the world, that's what the world does. And that's what people choose to do. I don't know if y'all ever have um, seen on television It'll be one actor, he with this woman for this long, then you turn around, he's with this other woman. It's just like, it's normal. You know, I've been with her, I don't need her no more, now I'm with her, and then they're sharing the same bed with other couples. All of this foolishness going on, and because they think that it's right. But we as Christians, we're supposed to bring the gospel, the good news to them, and let them know what Jesus died for and what we don't have to do no more. Um when it comes to being in Christ. So let's talk a little bit about this fornication and why this person was expelled or uh, excommunicated from the church. That's what I want to talk about a little bit more. But let's go to Matthew 18, verse 15 through 18, because I will use this a lot in the body of Christ. It says, if your brother wrongs you, go and show him his fault between you and him privately. So 
this person that was in Corinth and was having a relationship with his mother, which is called incest, and that's fornication too, having sex outside of marriage because he was not married to her. This was his father's wife. So he was having sex with her. Now, this church was boasting like it was nothing going on. But if someone in the church knew what was going on, they should have went to that person privately. I, I'll use um, Tyson for instance. If, if Tyson know that somebody in the church is doing something that they shouldn't be doing, let's say fornication, Tyson will pull them aside privately. It's between Tyson and the person that's committing that act. And he will go to that brother or the sister or whatever. And men, I want to say this, when you go to a woman, it's best to have another woman there with you because some women will set you up. So you don't want to go by yourself. It's the same thing with the woman, too. You got to be careful how you go behind closed doors. I'm saying closed doors. Now, if you're right here in the open and you're saying it privately, that's different. But don't take nobody behind no closed door and try to tell them something because people talk. And the one you taking behind the closed door might accuse you of fornicating with them as well. But anyway, Tyson pulled the person aside and, you know, he speak to the person in love. And the fault is fornication. You know, I'm hearing rumors concerning you dealing with fornication. And, you know, I'm seeing things online that's showing you all up on women, you doing this stuff. And I want to come to you because we're brothers in Christ. And I want to tell you what the word of God says that you shouldn't do. Let's say that person tell Tyson, you don't tell me what to do. I'm grown and I know I'm still saved. So, you know, I already know who I am. So you don't have to bring this to me. Okay. So Tyson, leave it alone. And then the next step that Tyson would do, because that person would not hear Tyson, the next thing they would do is say, but if he does not listen, take along with you one or two others. They say one or two others so that every word may be confirmed and upheld by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So Tyson is going back in. He's bringing two other people with him because he could not reach that brother by himself. He's giving the brother the same warning, you know, telling him what the word of God says. So that person is telling Tyson, how dare you bring other people up in my face? I told you the first time that I'm grown and whatever I choose to do, that's between me and God. And you ain't got nothing to do with who I sleep with or who I've been with, period. Okay, they go to two, three witnesses coming with Tyson. They still wouldn't receive them. The next step is because that person still won't receive Tyson or the witnesses is to bring it before the church, bringing it before the church. And this is what the word says. If he pays no attention to them, refusing to listen and obey, tell it to the church. That's when you go to the church and say, okay, we got a problem here. They're, first of all, they'll probably go to the pastor and say, look, we don't went to this person. We did what the word of God told us to do. This person is still refusing to turn from what they're doing and they, they keep on doing what they're doing and they're amongst us. So they're taking it to the church and it says, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a pagan and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper, this is where that binding and loosening come in. See, this is where all this come in. And unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Now do y'all understand the binding and loosening? Anything you bind here on earth, it's going to be bound in heaven. So if Tyson is going to them and saying, you know what, that fornication is forbidden in this house, that means heaven is backing him up. Y'all better get this because this is the word. Heaven is backing him up. Whatever he loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. So guess what? This person is going to be loose from it if he choose to be loose from it. But if he choose not to be loose from that fornication, then the body of Christ treat him just like a heathen. This is how far it got in the church at Corinth. They didn't just up and just, Paul was not just saying, throw him out instantly. This kept going on and on and on. 
Nobody would do anything about it. So it got to the point that this person was not willing to repent. This person was not willing to turn from what they were doing because they say in sharing a bed with another woman or sharing a bed with another man is more pleasing to me than God is. So Paul said, okay, you got to get them out of the church. Why? Because a little leaven, what? Leaven's the whole lump. So leaven is full of yeast and that yeast began to spread, making that dough bigger. So when you don't take that sin out of the church, it's going to begin to spread through the church. And then you can't get control because they're going to say, if you allowed him to do it, then you can't say nothing to me. Go back to King. Go back to uh, King. When King killed his brother Abel, look how it ran rapid. And when it ran rapid, his great, great grandson, I believe, said, if he did this for King and he got vengeance for it, then I can get vengeance for it. That's what's happening in the body of Christ. If things are not checked in the body of Christ and dealt with through discipline, it runs through the body of Christ. And then you got all of this stuff running in the house like cancer. And it's hard to cut it off at that time because that's why you deal with isms and schisms and division in the body of Christ. Because people know what a person is doing and is not getting handled according to the word of God. He said, you got to take out the old leaven. You got to take it out. You got to get it from amongst you. So we're going to go in deeper with the reason why Paul is saying this. Now, Paul even get to the point that he said, get them out of the church. And you know what some people say? Well, give them another chance. They didn't mean or say what they meant to say. And they just in love. They just smelling themselves. You know how it is. And you know, we just got to continue to pray for them. Uh -uh. You don't even pray for them. You turn them over. People bucking their eyes. But this is what the word is saying. You don't. Because if they refuse to listen and they continue to do what they do, that's what it means turning them over to Satan. That does not mean that this person is not saved. That means that this person is loving fornication more than they're loving on God. And when you take your hands off of them and you turn from them just like they're pagan or Gentile, when you turn them over to Satan from destruction, guess what? Satan's going to be pouncing on them and they're going to come to realize this what I'm doing ain't right. And then they'll be able to be saved from what they're doing. But some of us hold on to people and we know what they're still doing. And we keep praying and we keep praying. Paul said, "Uh uh-uh, let them go. Turn them over. They're refusing to hear you. You done done all you can do. You done told them what they should not do. And they done told you, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. You can't do nothing else. He said, turn them over to Satan for destruction. Paul even went in here a little deeper, and he began to say in verse 9, I write unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now, he's going to break it down even more. That's 1 Corinthians 5. He said, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covenants or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must she need to go out of the world. Now, Paul is breaking this down because all of us work around people that are sinners. Amen. Let me tell you the difference. When Paul said, I don't want you to keep company with fornicators, this is what Paul means. You work around people that's full of sin every day that have not accepted Jesus Christ. And you know this, but when you tell them about Jesus and tell them about his goodness, his death, his burial and his resurrection, that means that you're giving them the word of life and it's up to them to accept the word of life. Paul is saying keeping company with them is having friendship with them. Having friendship with the world. Remember what the Bible said. When you are a friend of the world, really you are an enemy of God. That means that you love the world more than you love God. So when you're giving a person the word, remember in the Bible, Jesus was around um, all this stuff. But Jesus was not friends with the world. 
He would go in, he would give them what the word of God says, but you don't sit up there and have, go out and have parties with them, go out shopping with them, go to their house and watch movies with them. Why? Because it subjects you to what they're doing. So you can't be a friend of the world. If you're a friend of the world, you're not a friend of God. If you got a friend that you've been hanging around for a long time, and let's say you heard the word of truth, you heard the good news, and by hearing the good news, you turned your heart away from sin and you turned your heart to God. And all of a sudden, you knew, you say, I'm going to make a change in my life. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Places I used to go, things I used to wear. Your heart just totally changed. It melted for God. So you still around that same friend. And you don't want to give up that friend because you said, we've been friends since high school. That's my friend. They love me. You're still hanging with them. You're still going to the movies with them. You're still inviting them to your house. Let me tell you what happens at this point. This is why Paul had to break this down. And this is where we're going tonight. Christians should not hang out with unbelievers. I'm going to say this again. Christians should not hang out with unbelievers. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they agree? You cannot be a friend of God and a friend of the world. You have to choose. Now, some of y'all, I'm going to tell you, to be honest, to tell you the truth, some of y'all use that excuse of, I'm trying to help them. No, you ain't. You helping yourself to what they're doing, really. Because if you've been friends with them for up 10 years, and your light ain't shining brightly before them, and they're still cursing around you, drinking around you, asking you to go to parties, showing you what to wear, and you wearing what they tell you to wear, you done turned away from God, and you turned to your friend. That's why the Bible said, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Light and darkness cannot mix. They cannot walk together, y'all. We need to quit this stuff in the church thinking that we're trying to save somebody. Jesus already made the way for people to be saved. It is our duty to give them the way that's already made, not sit there and still go out for drinks with them, still go shopping with them, because what happens is you end up being subject to them and not God. It is proven. The next thing is be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's what the word of God says. This, oh, Amos 3.3 3 is the first one I gave you. Amos 3.3. 3. Go to 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, be not ye unequally yoked with unbelievers. And it says, for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion have light with darkness? So that means that when you change your way of living, your way of doing, and you got a friend that still want to be out there in the world, I'm not telling you to um, not talk with them. I'm telling you, you can't hang out with them. You can't do the things that you used to do with them. Because if you're giving them truth, and they still rejecting that truth and still fornicating, still doing what they want to do, you don't supposed to be subject to that. You're supposed to turn away from that to let them know this is who I am now that I'm in Christ. And if you're disrespecting me, you're disrespecting him. If you coming up on me still like this and trying to tell me you, you've been single for these many years, you need to get out, you need to party, you need to change your clothes, you need to do all of this, that ain't no friend. And you need to disassociate with that person because you know that's not who you are now that you're in Christ. Um, I was watching this movie one night, and in the movie, this lady, she was a party person. She just loved the party, but she started out, she was saved, she was a Christian, but it got to the point that she knew she was missing something. So she knew that she was a backslider, so she began to go to church with this lady, and she got into church, and she said, I began to notice things that was in my life that wasn't right. So this is what happened. She had her friends. They were her besties. And she would hang out with them all the time. So she had met this guy, and he was a Christian guy. And they would go to church together and everything. So one day her friends come, and they said, look, 
let's go out tonight. We're having this party. Come on and go to this party. She went home and everything, and this is the conclusion she come up with. She said, you know what? I can still go to the party with them. I'll go to the party with them. I'll be friendly, but I don't have to do what they do, but I'll go. So she said, I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to ask him to go with me. This was the guy. They were going to church together. They had become a couple, and he was saved, and he honored what the word says. So she knocked on the door, and she said, look, there's a party tonight, and my friends invited me. Come on, and let's go. We don't have to do nothing. You know, we can just be at the party. He shut the door in her face. And just went on back in the house. She went anyway. So she went to the party. And when she got to the party, they said, come on, just have a little drink. She said, no, I don't want to drink. Now, a little drink is not going to hurt you. It's not going to do nothing to you. Just come on and just drink just a little. She took the drink. She put it in her mouth. And it made her sick. Right then, she said, I don't belong here. So she left that party. She had to choose. Either she was going to be friends with the world or she was going to be a friend of God. What am I saying? Some Christians still ain't making the right choice. When it comes to family, when family have gatherings and you know what family is doing at that gathering. And if you are not coming to that gathering to bring light in the midst of darkness, because you know they're going to be partying. You know they disrespect the God that's in you. Why do you show up? You know why people show up? Because that's still my family. The Bible tells us that when you, and and I'm going to paraphrase this, when you get saved, there is going to be division that's going to happen between family. Mother's going to hate daughters. um, Son's going to hate fathers. There's going to be all of that in family because when somebody gets saved within that family and their life change, that mother and daddy are going to be mad at that son or that daughter because they ain't doing what they used to do no more. They ain't acting the same way. They acting too holy. You act like you can't do so and so. It's going to be a change in that family. It's going to be intimacy between them because there is the world and there is the kingdom of God. So you're going to have a fight in the home. And I know y'all recognize this even in family. When you make up your mind and you say, I'm changing For the better, I'm going to serve God with my whole heart. And you've been raised over here in this church. And you finally tell them, I'm going to have to leave the church because I feel like God is calling me over here. They disown you. We're family. How can you leave us and go over there? This is where you were born and this is where you were reared at. So they don't want to have, they stick up their nose at you. It ain't the same laughing with you no more. Ain't the same calls no more. They just look at you totally different. Why? Because a change have occurred in your life. I'm telling you, people will shun you when you truly love God. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I can sit home all day and don't be bothered with what's going on around me. Because guess why? Because I know whom I serve. I'm not going to please family because it's a gathering. If God said, no, you ain't going, I'm not going. Because he told me not to go because he's letting me know what's in the midst of that gathering. Somebody had told me years ago, it was so funny. It was a gathering that that had happened at a certain place. And um, I got word back from somebody that the person that was at the gathering, I guess they've been here to the church. And they asked somebody at the gathering, I need to ask you a question. Is Pastor Amanda going to be here? They said, I don't know. She might show up. They didn't want to be there. And I'm saying to myself, well, why wouldn't they want to be here if I'm getting ready to show up? The reason why, because it was what was in the midst of the gathering. They didn't want me to show up and catch them in the midst of something that they should not have been in. And the word got back to me. This is why I'm saying when God tell you stay home, you stay home. Let me tell you why. Because if you're preaching truth and even if you're walking in on something, sometimes you may not be aware of it. The first thing I'm going to say, she doing exactly what we doing. How can you listen to her? Y'all don't get it, do you? It ain't about family no more. Don't get me wrong. I love all my family. But if God tell me not to go, I ain't going. I don't care who it is, mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, or whoever it is. When God put a stop sign in my face, I am not going, y'all. Why? Because 
I'm going to be a lover of God more than I am a lover of the world. So you have to have the right to choose. Some people say, well, you should get together every now and then. You don't know when they're going to be here or when they're not. But God told me no, so no. Now, if God send me, I'm going to go with a word, and nobody going to want to hear that word. So, see, you have to understand you have to know the leading of the Holy Ghost because sometimes you being in a place you shouldn't be in messes up your witness, even though you're innocent. Now, if God send you in that place, he's going to send you with a word like he sent Jesus. And he's going to tell you what to tell them why so they can come out of what they're doing so they won't be lost, y'all. That is our job. We're out seeking those that are lost, not the saved folk. Because the saved folk don't need a physician. It's the ones that, that's lost that need a physician. So Paul was saying right here, you cannot be unequally yoked. You cannot marry an unbeliever. We got so many people marrying unbelievers. It's a shame. Well, I'm going to change them. If you ain't changed them yet, why are you marrying them? I had one person, and I'm not going to call the name. Somebody had called me that was in this church way years ago. And they tried to turn them up. Instead of them going to them, they wanted me to go to them. And they called me. They said, Pastor Man, I need to ask you something. I have a friend, and this friend is dating this girl. And this girl that they're dating is not saved. And I know the Bible says you shouldn't be unequally yoked. What is light got to do with darkness? And I said, what you telling me for? I said, why don't you tell your friend? If that's your friend, well, you know, my friend is saved, but the girl that they're going with ain't saved, and they said that they can change her, but she ain't changed yet. And I'm saying to myself, okay. Then I said, what you telling me for? Why don't you tell them? Well, I done told them. And they still telling me that they can change this person. Okay, did you follow what the word of God said? Didn't you take somebody else? They were scared. See, this is what I'm saying. People want to throw it back on me and act like they ain't done nothing. I said, if you know what the word says, do what the word is telling you to do. And then your hands is free of that. So this is how we're supposed to handle stuff, y'all, according to the word. But the reason why we cannot be yoked up with unbelievers because they end up turning us towards them and turning us away from God. The longer you hang around a person that don't believe what you believe, you end up doing what they do. It is a proven. You end up acting like they're acting. You feel like you're not good enough. I'll, I'll give you an example with Christian folk. Let's say y'all in here tonight, Bible study. You enjoy coming here every Tuesday to Bible study. You got a friend that say that they're saved, but they feel like they need to do their own thing and not come to Bible study because they need a break sometime because they work all the time. So they calling you and say, hey, 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 let's go somewhere tonight. And you're saying, well, you know, tonight is Bible study and I want to, you know, get the work. How often you go to Bible study? Well, I try to go every Tuesday. Well, have you missed any times yet? No, I ain't really. Come on, girl, go on, miss the night. We can go out and we can, you know, eat together. We ain't seen each other in a long time. And then maybe after that, we can go to the mall or we can do something else. Everybody need a break sometime. Don't you work all the time, girl? Yeah, girl, I do. So what time are we leaving? Okay, let me see what I can tell Pastor Man. Anybody ever heard them tired lines before? And how many followed those tired lines and thinking, I never get a break. I never get to do what I want to do. I never have my time for me. I never have my me time. I'm always in Bible study or I'm always in church or I'm always doing for my family. But I never have that time that I see on Facebook where people are out having fun and they bowling and they doing this, that, and the other. I don't do it. So I'm going to have my time tonight. You done turn. And you use something to justify it, to make you feel good. Then you begin to slip even the more. Because that friend that the devil's using want to take you out of the place that you're in to put you in their place to make you think you're living the life you need to live. I know I got some witnesses in here. This is the next one. Evil communication corrupts 
good manners. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, let's talk about it. In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, this is what was happening. Paul was talking about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul was basically saying Jesus had to die so he can be buried, so he can be resurrected. And if he wasn't resurrected, then we wouldn't be preaching and teaching what we're preaching. So Paul was um, telling them about the resurrection, and some of them did not believe in the resurrection. So Paul was telling them, you're listening to people that don't believe in this resurrection. So he said, evil communication corrupt good manners. So why would Paul begin to say that to those people? It is because he said, be not deceived. Those people were trying to deceive them to take them out of what they believed. He said evil communications, that um, communication means companionship. Evil companionship, whoever you hanging around is a person that's deceitful, that you've been hanging around, that's what that communication means. Corrupts means to deprive, to fall away from something. Good manners mean character. So someone will walk up to you, just like I used the illustration on how someone would tell you, Come on, you need to take a break. You always in Clem. You always in church. Let's hang out. We ain't hung, been hanging out in a while. I don't see you like I used to see you no more. So they're trying to turn you away from what you believe. And they're doing it through deceit. And this is what Paul is saying. Do not let people turn you away from what you believe. Evil communion, communication corrupt good character. So he's trying or he or she is trying to turn you away from what you are taught. Miracle Temple, the things that you're getting taught, is many of people, and I know this is truth, want to turn you away from what I'm teaching. Why? Because the enemy don't want you to have truth. He don't want you to live according to the word. He wants you to live according to the word world. So what he does is he come in with deceit and try to make you think, no, she's trying to make you too holy. <laughs> You need to tell them, I'm already holy, not because of her, but because of Jesus Christ. She's just teaching us how to live a sanctified life, a holy life unto God. And she's using the word of God to do it. And I refuse to turn away from the truth and turn to this lie that you're telling me. Because by knowing the truth, that's what set me free. And now you're trying to corrupt my character. Whomever you hang with, people know that they're already out there. So if you're showing up with them at the movies with a bucket of popcorn and saying that you're trying to minister to them through a movie, you tell me how you're going to do it. You're going to be eating popcorn. Movie going to be loud. So tell me how you ministering to them. Anybody? So what happens is while you're in that movie theater laughing with them, girl, you see that? They need to put on some clothes. Guess what's happening? The one that you just ministered to last week was sitting in the movie debating whether or not to come to your church. And they look, and there you are with somebody they just parted with the other night. They messing with your character. And I, I, this is, I'm, God is reminding me of this when I'm talking about the movies. I remember it was me, my husband, my son Jeremy, Zach, and Ariel. We went to this movie. And they said it was a good movie. So I'm thinking, okay, they ain't going to take me to nothing bad, you know. So we sitting there, y'all, and I can't remember the name of the movie. But I'm sitting there. I ain't seen nothing but tail everywhere. And Jeremy and Zach like this right here. I said, get up, get up, get up. We are leaving. I mean, you better get up, get up right now. I said, Ariel, close your eyes. Just get up, just get up. My husband's still sitting there. I said, y'all getting up out of this movie. You, Mama, we just paid for these tickets. I said, I don't care what you paid for. We're getting out of this movie. This is no lie. By me. Standing up for what I believe. When we got out there in that lobby, didn't they give us free tickets? They gave us free tickets. I said, I refuse. You should have seen them boys' eyes. <laughs> Jeremy Zach was hard at it. I don't know what he was doing. 
But he would leave. He, he act like, see, he probably didn't want to get embarrassed. But get up. We're getting out of here right now. <laughs> what am I telling you? I could have messed up my character. Because I know what I teach and I know what I believe. Somebody else that was in there probably said, let me see what she's going to do now. I see her up in here. Yeah, you saw me up in there, but I'm out. That's why when you may be ignorant of something in the beginning, but when your eyes are open to it, you don't sit there and act like, y'all, you don't know. Evil communication corrupt good manners. That corrupt your character, especially with your kids. If you're telling your kids, you don't supposed to be fornicating. You don't put pornography. You don't bought the screen, the big wide screen in front of them and say, look why you can't. Because everything going through their heads, what they can do with what they were seeing, y'all. So that would have had me in a place. If I'm up here teaching y'all, I can see Zach and Jeremy back there and say, well, mama, you took us into that. Shut up, boy. <laughs> but this is what happened. So this is why we have to be so careful. And this is what Paul was saying. He said that when you hang around or people begin to turn around truth, this is what you come to believe. And people end up corrupting your character. Y'all, we know this. But what do we do? We're afraid to loose these people because we feel like we ain't got no other friend but that one. We feel like we can't hang with nobody else but that one. We don't know how to tell them what the word says because we don't want to offend them or hurt their feelings, right? Then Paul goes on to say here, he said, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So Paul said we got to do what? Awake to righteousness and sin not. Then the other thing God began to show me is in uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through verse 5. And I think all of y'all are familiar with this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those things that are good. Traitors, heady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. I like verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Listen at what he's saying. From such, turn away. The word is right there, y'all. If you're around a person that have all of these traits, the Bible's telling you, to turn away from them, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He say, turn away. We're supposed to turn away. There's no way that a person say, I'm saved and I know Jesus and hitting a club every time a club is open. And every time you turn around, they're getting drunk. Every time they turn around, they're cursing, they're gossiping. They're telling you who they, the next man they're going to get. And you laughing and cutting the fool with them and saying, but they saved. The Bible says turn away from those things because if you are hanging around a person like that, I don't care how loving they are. A person can be so loving, so sweet, give you their last dollar, but they're still doing these type of things. You have to turn away from that and you have to look at them in their face and say, that's who I was, but that's not who I am. And by me hanging with you and you still doing these things, but yet you say you're saved, it's making my character corrupt and I refuse to let God be disrespected. Now let's see how long you have that friend. Let's see if they continually talk with you. You know what they're going to say about you? You just too saved. You must be going to Pastor Amanda Church. That's what people say. You go on the miracle temple because y'all act like y'all better than anybody else. Y'all act like y'all don't never sin. Y'all act like y'all don't never curse. Y'all act like y'all don't never fornicate. Y'all just act like y'all just too good. And know what you should say? Nobody is good. 
And the reason why I'm who I am is not because of my goodness. It's because of his. So that's why I don't do what I do because he did what he did for me and through me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As for this day, I'm choosing whom I'm going to serve and it ain't you. You can shut a devil up quick, fast, in a hurry if you're in the word of God. But some of us are sit there and let these people walk the dog over us and won't stand up for what's right and just keep our mouth shut. But they ain't keeping their mouth shut. They're telling you exactly how they feel. You're supposed to speak truth and love according to the word of God. It does not supposed to be any debates, but you're supposed to tell them what the word say, and that's the end of it. So this is why you cannot be around unbelievers. You can't have friendship. You're going to be around them, but you cannot have friendship. Do anybody know what friendship is? It's somebody you call every day. It's somebody you hang out with every day. It's somebody that you become trustworthy with. That's a friend, right? Somebody that you can just know that they're going to be there for you. That's a friend. An associate is somebody you may see every now and then because you work with them. You have not become so close with them that you are up in their business. You know what I'm saying? So when you know it's getting that way, you're going to have to pull, pull back because that's not who you are. You're going to have to go and remind yourself, this is who I am now that I'm in Christ. So this is why I'm going over all of this to let you know you cannot hang out with the world, y'all. You cannot be friends with the world because if you're friends with the world, that means you're an enemy of God. And the next thing is, make no friendship with an angry man. Proverbs 22. Let's look at that one. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. Why am I going over this so diligently? Because I believe the Lord know we need it. And the word reads, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. That's why you can't make friendship. If you're around a person that's angry all the time, then if you don't stop hanging with that person, you're going to be caught up in what they're doing. You're going to become just like that person. Why? Because people are going to see you like they see that person. This is why I warn people. God will show you people from a distance. You don't have to hear them talk. Somebody can tell me about a person, I'll say, "Uh uh-uh, you need to cut that off. They're nice. They're so nice. They're saved. I say, I'm telling you what God is saying. Sooner or later it pop up. It's what God said. Just because people save y'all don't mean they know Jesus. Now, I'm telling you the truth. Just because they save, it does not mean they know Jesus. They always use that save card. But as soon as you say something that don't fit them, they done curse you out. Done told you, you you just too holy. You act like you know everything. Did you curse? Yeah, I curse and I'm still saved. Don't y'all hear that? Everybody get angry, but they say sin not. Know, know what the word's saying. They're going to come back at you and try to cut you up with the word. You're going to become angry when you hang around an angry person. Y'all, this is proven. You put a person in a house with an angry person, and every day that person is blowing up. Every day they're getting angry with something. I'll put it this way. Put a child in a place with an angry parent. That child going to school and blowing everybody out. Working their hand, working their head, doing everything. Showing anger. That's what they're becoming. Because that's what they're around all the time. So they think that's okay. Y'all, this is proven. Whomever you associate with is whom you become. So we have to really check our associations, right? Which leads to friendships. And this one here say, the way of the wicked will seduce a righteous man. Proverbs 12, 26, the way of the wicked will seduce a righteous man. 
The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the ways of the wicked seduces them. That means they wander astray. That's what that seduce means. When you hang around a wicked person, they will lead you astray because you're hanging around them. And I'm going to say this, men, God is always hitting this. If you got a woman that's a friend, and you hanging with that woman, and you say she's my friend, just friend. Ain't that how it start out? Friend. Come on, men. Y'all know how it is. When me and my husband met, we were just friends. Just my friend. You can talk to that friend on the phone. Y'all can laugh. Y'all can have conversation. We just friends. Is that your boyfriend? No. We just friends. He's just so nice to talk to. Men, get off this friend kick with these ladies that you say you can talk the word of God to. They just friends because they talk about Jesus all the time. Uh Uh-uh. No. A friend leads to the bedroom. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Some men are ignorant. I'm just going to say it flat out. Somebody probably took offense, but some men are just downright ignorant. They're thinking that they can be friends with a woman and thinking it's okay and telling the wife, I don't want her. We just friends. We just talk like that. We just hang out like that. Then got the audacity to call your house and ask to speak to your husband. We just friends. And then they talk and laugh in front of you. We just friends. We've been working together for years. We're just friends. Then you notice how your husband doesn't change. He ain't acting the same like he used to act. He acting crazy. He talking more. He laughing more. Your friend done brought you out of your shell, and I've been trying to do that for 25 years. We just friends. This is helping somebody in this room tonight. Because men can be ignorant and see somebody beside the road and they open their heart and they so loving and stop and pick up, friend. (laughs) This is helping somebody. This is what happens with the world. Go back and read about friend and Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 and a little bit in 8. See, that's why we have to be in the word of God to know the difference. Because the enemy will use anybody to corrupt your character. They they will do it. Or call on a certain person all the time. Nobody can fix this but my friend. Well, where your brother? Oh, he, he next door, but my friend can do it better. And that man's so happy because he's so needed and wanted. And can't even screw in a light bulb at home. Friend, the way of the wicked will seduce a righteous man, (laughs) will lead them astray, will have them wandering from home. Men, get into the word of God. Hear what the word of God has to say. Evidently, this is for somebody. Friend, Any old who. Now, Christians should not hang out with unbelievers. We don't went over all those scriptures, right? And it, the Bible tells you why, right? So Miracle Temple don't say you don't know. Because you know. You have knowledge now. What the word says, the reason why you cannot hang out with unbelievers, and we choose to keep hanging out with them because we think we can save them. Jesus already done that for you. The only thing you do is give them the good news and the gospel and you keep it moving and it's up to them to make that choice because everybody has a will. It is not for you to babysit them in the mall, in the movies, at a party. It is not for you to do that because if they're not willing to change, guess what? You're going to end up being the one that changed and they're going to keep doing what they do. Now, don't keep company with a brother who sins. Ooh, this is the deep one right here. Did y'all know you got brothers who sin? That's what 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, was talking about. These were saved folks. They supposed to be saved. They were in the church. 
They supposedly accepted the gospel, the good news uh, concerning Jesus Christ bringing the kingdom. But yet he was fornicating with his father's wife. But he was saved. Paul went on to say, and I'm getting to the next part of that verse in 1 Corinthians 5. In 10 he said, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world or with covetous, extortioners, idolaters, for then must you need to go out of the world. So what he was saying is we're going to have some type of um, communication with the world, right? We, we have to work with them. But he said, don't keep company with fornicators. Then he break it down. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator. And he's using those same terms. Why is Paul saying this? Because if you got a brother or a sister in Christ and they are a fornicator and you know that they are fornicator, they know that they are fornicator. The body of Christ know that they are fornicator and they still choose to fornicate. You don't supposed to keep company with those fornicators. That means you don't supposed to sit down and eat with those fornicators because guess what? You are making yourself privy to that sin. That means that you're saying it's okay. It's okay my best friend fornicate. They're saved. So I'm going to still hang with them. They're a Christian. They're saved. They, they fornicate and that's between them and God. But it is your job to do what the Bible says, if your friend is fornicating and they refuse to not to keep on fornicating, the Bible say you do not keep company with them. Why? Because it's going to lead you in a way. It's going to put you in the midst of that sin because you know what's right and you upholding them in that sin and you saying it's right. You supposed to let them know what you're doing. It is not right according to the word of God. You know it's not right. And you continually choose to do what's not right. So I can't hang with you and do things with you knowing that you don't want to turn away from what you're doing. Because they're making you look like you a fornicator too. How can two or three, what it says, how can two walk together unless they agree? That's messing up your witness, Right? So we don't supposed to have, even in the body of Christ, when we know there's a fornicator amongst us and they're part of this body miracle temple, you're supposed to pull them aside and let them know, look, I need to talk with you. Because the Bible tells us, I want to read this, Galatians 6 verse 1, listen at this, the expanded Bible. Brothers and sisters, if someone in your group, a person, does something wrong, or is overcome by some transgression, sin, or is discovered caught in some transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should go to that person and gently help make him right again. Restore him gently with a gentle spirit, but be careful because you might or so that you won't be tempted to sin too. We supposed to go to our brother and sister when we see them out of order in the body of Christ. We're supposed to check them according to the word of God. So that way they can turn from that sin and they can turn back to God. The Bible gives us scripture on that. And I like how Paul did it in um, 1 Corinthians 5. Paul told them what they had to do. He said, now you got to send them out of the church because they're not taking heed to what they're doing. They're still doing what they're doing. Everybody on the outside, everybody on the inside know what they're doing. And that's causing people that don't know Christ to say, why do I need to be saved? Because if you can still fornicate, if you can still do what you do, why do I need to be saved? I, I don't have to be saved because y'all doing it in the church. Have y'all ever heard that before? Why I have to come to church? Because everything I see in the church is happening on the outside. So how can you tell me any different? I see people sleeping with people. And I can understand that because I remember when I was um, seeking a church, when I was going through, I had went to this church. And y'all, when I went into the church, I would see people praising God, get outside. They'd be talking about people, even try to freeze me in some cold water. I'm like, something ain't right in this church, Lord. I refuse. 
to come up in a church where they falling all out. Then they get outside. They begin to talk about each other. They begin to go through all this mess and they doing this and they doing that. I say, God, that just ain't right. So this is what people look at on the outside. When you telling somebody, come to church with me. Some people say, well, I want to go to your church for because everything I'm doing, you doing it. So ain't no change in you. So why should I come to your church? You're doing the same thing. You're gossiping, you're lying, you're fornicating, you're still drinking, you're still cursing, but you still need to go to church so your name can get on the roll. I'm going to be faithful to church until I die. People don't want to come up in your past. So you got to be true, truthful. You got to let people know, you know, this is the life that I live now. No, I'm not going. And you don't have to sit up there and try to justify why you're not going with them no more. The life you live is going to begin to speak for you. And guess what? They ain't going to call you no more. They ain't going to invite you to go nowhere no more. And the last scripture here is, okay, I said, don't keep company with a brother that sins. Withdraw from a brother that walks disorderly. Go to Second um, Thessalonians. The third chapter, it said that we have to withdraw from that brother that walks disorderly. Um, This is what Paul was um, dealing with with, uh, in the book of Thessalonians. He said, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walked disorderly and not after the traditions which he received of us. Disorderly mean not following the word and the teachings that were taught to them. So if you around somebody, a brother, that are not following what the word of God is saying, he said, withdraw yourself. When you withdraw yourself, it means that you're not keeping company with them no more. You can't keep company with that because you're putting yourself in the same place that they're in. He said, for yourselves, know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. So Paul was telling them, everything that I'm teaching you, this is how my life is. This is what I do. What I'm teaching you, I go according to the traditions, according to the teachings, according to what God has said. So if you're around somebody that's doing things out of the will of God, he said, withdraw yourself from that person. He said, um, verse 9, I want to go to another verse to show you something. Uh, verse 11, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. So this is why we get to the part that if a man don't work, he don't eat. What Paul is saying is, he was giving himself an example. He said, the Bible tells you if you preach the gospel, you should live from the gospel. But Paul was making an example, and he was a tent maker, and he was making his living to be an example to let them know that I'm working because I know the word said, if you don't work, you shall not eat, and things have been said that I'm trying to live off of the gospel, and it's not wrong if God has called a person to that, but you got some pastors out here that they are preaching just to get paid. They're not worrying about souls or anything like that. They want people to pay them, and they continue to do like they're doing. But Paul was making a statement to let them know. He said, if a man don't work, he don't eat. He said, we have some busybodies that's walking disorderly. Y'all know what a busybody is? Doing nothing in everybody else's business, want people to give unto them, but they don't work. They're lazy. They're idle. So Paul said, withdraw yourself from them people because that's all they want to be is lazy. They don't want to do nothing. They want to take from you, but thinking that they don't have to do anything. Such people, he said, withdraw yourself from them. And in 14, he said, and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man. That means you mark that man. That man, you, you mark him, meaning he got something on his forehead saying, I know you. That man have no company with him that he may be ashamed. That means withdraw yourself. You don't have fellowship with him. You don't eat with them. Why? Because that man, just like the prodigal son, began to come to himself and realize that he need change. So if you keep hanging with people that are busybodies, that's walking disorderly, 
that's not following what the word of God says, then they think they're okay because you're hanging with them. But when you're giving them truth and you letting them know what the word of God is saying and they don't want to follow that truth, you withdraw yourself from that person. That way that person will become ashamed because nobody want to hang with them and then they will begin to seek the Lord and they will come to repentance. That's what the word of God is saying. Some of us are not withdrawing ourselves because we think we can save everybody. Jesus already done that. You got to let a person come to shame and realize people have left me to myself. They don't fellowship with me. They don't come to my house no more. Why? Because you want to do the same thing just a different day. You want to be a busybody in everybody's affairs. You want people to cater to you while you are not doing what you need to do. The Bible says if a man don't work, he don't eat. You don't cater to that. And I don't care if the person get mad. Because if you're giving them the word of God and they're not taking the word, this is what Paul said, note those that are among you. You're supposed to mark them out. When you see them coming, oh no, I don't have fellowship with that. I'm not going to be a part of that because I know you. That's what we do. Now, we don't make them our enemies, y'all. You don't do that. You don't make a person that your enemy. You still love them, but you don't hang out with them to make them think they're okay. Because they're not okay. They have to become ashamed to know, okay, God, woe is me. So, I'm going to stop right there. Did I give you enough scriptures? Meditate on those, and we're going to go back in next Tuesday with the help of the Lord. Y'all, this teaching is helping us to understand how the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to have discipline in the body of Christ. So when someone come up to you and they bring correction to you, you should not get mad. You should say, thank you, Lord, for loving me that much to show um, someone that you trust to send to me to let me know that I'm in error, that I'm in sin. Y'all, that's what we're supposed to do if we love one another. Don't be shunning a person just to say, I'm going to pray for them. And they'll change. If you got the word in front of you, why are you praying? Just go ahead and give them the truth. Say, God, I'm going to go to them in love. And if they don't accept you, you, you do what the word of God tells you to do and you move on. But don't set yourself up and be amongst people that do not want to change because it's messing up your character. It's putting you in a place that you don't need to be in. Amen? Amen. Do we have any announcements? Okay.